This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to Be Nation pop experience. Welcome to the latest episode of Pop Goes the Classics. Your look, our look, everybody's look at the full-length Anime features from Walt Disney Animation. I am Andy Atherton, one of your tri-hosts here, back in the driver's seat today, uh, having a fun time. Uh, this movie, maybe not so much of a fun time. It is the second of three releases by the Walt Disney Company Animation Feature Division in the year 2000. Not a movie that I think is fondly remembered, but it definitely has its merits. Uh, it was an attempt at something different. It does have a legacy to it, um, and we could talk about that later on. But let's let's talk about it in a moment. Let's get the rest of my tri-host here. So to my right, I don't know what side you guys are sitting on, but to my right, all the way over in the, com- the country of Germany, Miss Miranda Berthold. Miranda, how you doing? Hello. Hello. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's German for hello. You say hello. Oh, hello. Okay. I thought you were doing Mrs. Hello. Yeah. No, it does sound like I'm being Mrs. Doubtfire, but hello. Uh, I am good. It is, uh, I'm going to make everybody jealous. It is 60 degrees. Ooh. Fantastic. So that's like, Loving that's it. perfect weather for some people. It I is think. my perfect weather. It's a perfect weather. Okay. I'm, perfect weather is like mid 50s to mid 60s. I'm there. That's see, it. Yeah, mine, mine is a little bit warmer than that. I'm like low 70s for me. Mm, no, between like 55 and 65. It's all about, and also, it's about lack of humidity. That's really Oh, bad. God. When we had a lot of it last week, and I was like, this is why I left America. <laughs> <laughs> why? You think that like the rest of the world doesn't have humidity? <laughs> No, we don't. It's okay during the summer when it's hot here, like really hot, and like in the 90s and above. There's not usually humidity, and last week there was, and it was horrific. And I moved away from that. And yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So to my left, someone living where they say it's a dry heat. Steve Riddle. Hey, Steve. Hey, I'm doing good. And yes, it is definitely a uh, a dry heat here. It's low hundreds today, so I could I could use Blech. some of that. Uh, some of that coolness there that Miranda has. Yeah, my my ideal temp is like low mid seventies uh, with a night with like a nice breeze and a and a blue sky. So I like that all three of us just turned into the girl from Miss Congeniality. I know. I was thinking that too. It's ja- it's the light jacket weather. All you need is a light jacket. <laughs> oh. uh, you can definitely tell that we're stalling. No. Okay. No, no, but we're here talking about. We're not just here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about the 39th release of the full-length animated features. It is from. Let's see. I think this was in the summertime. This was released on May 19th, 2000. It is Dinosaur. So not a lot of people talk about this movie. It's and a lot of people. If you're not that familiar or just like kind of like um, not like a nerd or, or deep into the Disney animation or animation, 
you probably wouldn't even realize that this is part of the full-length Disney animated features. You would think of something like a Goofy movie, and that's not, actually, because that was produced by a different division of the Disney company. So it's kind of weird that, you know, this is in the same vein as, as Snow White, Lion King, and many other movies, but it is definitely animated. The Disney company... Well, not to interrupt you real quick, yeah. but uh, I, I would have thought it would have been, like, if you hadn't told me, if I didn't know all of yeah. those things you just said, I would think direct to DVD. But go ahead. That's where, yeah. I, that's where my yeah. brain would be, so... Yeah, I mean, I mean, for... 2000 for being 23 years old it, it, it does hold up in in the uh yeah. the graphics department um yeah. you know it it's it's a mixture i think i believe it's a mixture of computer gra- generated images and real backgrounds it says live action computer animated adventure is what it's classified as kind of kind of like um like the new lion king remake like where like all everything that moves on screen is animated but i think a lot of the 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 backgrounds and, and and stuff is is they made there probably some animation there but I think I think that was kind of like the what the hook was what they were trying they were trying to do something different oh yeah it says backgrounds were found um, at a national park in Venezuela so yeah you're correct yeah so um, I did see it in theaters because I'm, I'm a Disney nerd and I'm a glutton and I I don't have fond memories of my first time seeing it because, you know, it it, it it's kind of derivative at times, right? I, I don't dislike this movie like I dislike The Good Dinosaur, which is funny that I kind of crap on some dinosaur movies because Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of all time. So it, it's it's weird. Um, but Steve, um, I know now you didn't see this in the theater, right? Because you were a youngin. Yeah, no, I didn't. Well, I wasn't that young i mean the, it's may 2000 i was 14 so okay. oh yeah so um, you were in that spot where it's like eh, i don't know if i want to see an anime movie yeah and um yeah so i didn't see this live i i did see kind of like bits and pieces of it sporadically kind of throughout the years like if it was on tv like i would catch like a scene here and there and it wasn't until um when i did it for my um one of the reviews of disney that i saw like in its entirety from beginning to end and it's it's funny you mentioned about how like it's it's forgotten about. I kind of you know we met, you mentioned how this is the second of three films of two thousand in two thousand. Um, I kind of equate this to this to this film being almost like the forgotten middle child because <laughs> obviously everyone knows fan, everyone knows about Fantasia two thousand and then the next film we'll talk about everybody obviously remembers that one a lot more fondly. Um, I feel like part of the issue I have with this film is that, and like you said, visually it's like. It's incredible, especially for 2000s or for 2000. Um, But I feel like they sacrificed a lot in terms of story and intriguing like characters in exchange for having it like look good. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, all all sizzle, no steak. Yes, and for me, one of my all-time favorite films when I was a kid growing up was, of course, The Land Before Time. And in watching this film for the, in its entirety for the first time, I got a lot of I felt a lot of like great value land before time um, similarities between the two, which I will kind of I'll kind of delve into more as we go through the film. That's an accurate description, Steve. I really like that. I've actually I don't think I've ever seen Land Before Time. Like I've seen bits Ooh. of it, but I've seen it. Well, it was kind of like for me, 
it was in, um, you know, when it came out, right? I probably wasn't watching animated films or I wasn't straying too far from Disney. I kind of like look at stuff like, like I didn't like watch non-Disney stuff. It was kind of like, nah, I don't know. You know, I like, look, I like, it looked, it looked too, like, like the, the Disney classics. It's like, yes, people could say it's a cartoonist for kids, but you know, you could definitely yeah. see, but no, but you could definitely, you could see through it that there's stuff for that. Land Before Time for me seemed like, I don't know what an adults can really get a, take away from it. You know, you know what I mean? And also, you know, I, when did, when did land for time actually come out? Like the, in the, sometime in the nineties, right? Let me look. Yeah. It, it was, was like the nineties. Eighty nine. So I, I, well, I was 17. 88 actually. Yeah. So I was 16, 17. I wasn't, I hadn't even gotten to my like real Disney love yet. Cause that happened when I was about 20, 20, 20 yeah, about 20. So I wasn't, looking to seek this out and then i don't know for some reason it was it like it wasn't on tv or cable when i when my kids were little so we mm-hmm. never really watched it with them so i kind of i've missed that I, and now i'm missing out on like a lot of stuff like i i was saying the other day like i haven't seen uh secret life of pets i didn't see any sing i saw a trailer for the new trolls i'm like i haven't seen any trolls movies because my kids are now older we do see stuff like i did go see yeah. you know, elemental in the theater and stuff like that but um yeah the land before time kind of uh kind of has eluded me i guess so to speak it's Uh, it's fantastic if you ever have time to just throw something on even as an adult i think it's worth it oh yeah i've 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 heard such good things about it. it's just something like it's like you know there's only so many hours in a day sometimes oh no absolutely totally understand so so miranda uh you did see this in the theater what are you what were your initial thoughts on this I was, I'm only a year older than Steve, so I was 15, um, and I went with uh, one of the families that I babysit for, um, for their children, uh, and it was a miserable experience, because <laughs> the children were crying, I was crying, their mother was crying, um, the dad was irritated that Disney would, like, make everyone cry, and he was crying, um, and everyone, when the lights came on, in that theater, was freaking crying, I think I was the oldest, like, child in there as well. <laughs> Everyone was crying. Everyone it, was angry. Yeah. It does. It does have. Yeah. It, it does have its um its moments. So listen, it has some funny moments. I will give it that. It's got some funny um that I wish they had, and we'll get further into it. But it's got some funny that I wish they had played more on because then I think you could have had more of like Fern Gully. For an example, because um, where Farting Gully has really sad, like, big emotions to deal with for kids um, and, and strong things, it's got a lot of funny, and it's got a lot of heart. Um, and I think this movie, unfortunately, didn't meet up to my expectations and standards on funny and heart. But it's not unenjoyable, I guess, which sounds weird, because I just said it was a disaster, but... Um, I don't know. I don't hate <laughs> this movie. I just think Disney made a lot of bad calls in one movie, if that makes sense. And it doesn't help it that the follow the following movie, you know, its follow up is such a cult classic now. So I, yeah. I that had all the funny. So I yeah. think that's also kind of like got it. Like Steve said, like it's kind of stuck in the middle, you know. Yeah. Also, we probably would have to look at what else was coming out because that was the that's around. It was right before Memorial Day. Let me Day. look. 
Mm-hmm. So it was the start of the summer movie season. Right. So depending on its competition at the box office at the time, and, you know, it could have been, I, I don't remember how it did box office wise. Well, I can tell you it's already screwed because it, that was the month of Gladiator. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that. <laughs> and then the week after was Mission Impossible 2. Jeez, Mission Impossible goes back that far. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, so I, I have the so I have the uh, the list up here. I have the top ten highest grossing films of that year. Okay. This film actually finished in fifth. Oh, was it? Really? Is that is that domestic or or, or worldwide? It's domestic, domestic. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Here here was here was the top ten. Just for again, this is you know just to you know let everyone know what the number ten, what lies beneath. Number nine, the first X Men. Number eight, the Perfect Storm. Number seven, Meet the Parents. Number six, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, one of my favorites. Oh, um, then yeah. Dinosaur, then Five Dinosaur. Four, What Women Want. Three, Castaway. Two, Gladiator. And one, Mission Impossible 2. I saw, I think I saw about six or seven of those in the theater. <laughs> yeah, this is the year I'm looking at the, I'm looking at a different list than, than you have. Uh, but I'm looking at like all the other things that came out in April because things that came out in April would still be playing in some theaters. So that would have an effect on it. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on here. Eek. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. And and the follow up, you know, after Fantasia 2000, which was kind of like a real nostalgia pull, mm-hmm. right? And I agree. and it was like kind of like a fe- a feast for the eyes. And I I don't know. It, it, not that it, it, look, it's not. Pocahontas following the Lion King by any Mm-mm. any stretch, but you know it's it not the easy it was this movie had to be better to follow that movie you know mm-hmm. what I mean for sure mm-hmm. like like this is not if it, 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 maybe you know you, I I don't agree I don't disagree with the release order but you know this this is more of a post Christmas like I but, you know back then. You know, it was like February was January, February was dead time. Now, now mm-hmm. it's like, you know, friggin' Black Black Panther breaks records being released in February. So it's like, who knows? But I, I just this, I don't know. This movie, I, I think a lot of people didn't know what to make of it either. I mean, they I went based on the Disney branding and and the trailer, which was I'll talk about the trailer. If I don't know if any of you guys remember what the trailer was. Um, and I could say now it was basically the uh, over raptor stealing the egg and, yeah. and the egg kind of going on its journey. That was pretty much the trailer. So oh, really? Yeah. I, from what see, I, I don't remember it. From what I remember, I remember because I remember I, to this day, I still hate over raptors. And I play Jurassic World alive and I can't stand them because um, they're like these little annoying nest stealing creatures from 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 back then. So they, all they did was steal eggs. So they're they're not very nice, but all right. So let's dive into the movie. We'll talk about it some more. All right. So uh, it starts off in the dinosaur breeding ground. A Carnotaurus triggers a stampede after being discovered by a young Parasolophus. I'm just going to call it Para from going on forward. An Iguanodon mother is forced to abandon her nest, which is trampled by a pursuing by the pursuing predator. The only surviving egg is snatched by an oviraptor. Journeying on through several terrains before landing on a tropical island populated by prehistoric lemurs. 
Cleo, the daughter of the patriarch Yar, names the hatch baby Aladar and raises him despite Yar's initial objections. So, you know, the opening, though, with the, you know, the opening title is kind of odd because it's a dinosaur embryo inside egg. And then, you know, we do get to see uh, some mamas protecting their nest. We get the um, the watering hole kind of was like reminding me of a prehistoric version of the Lion King. You know, that poor Ceratops became the unlucky one, you mm-hmm. know, like mostly like the wounded zebra, so to speak. And I wrote in my notes, they do move in herds. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the egg uh, goes on on quite a journey from everything it believe it um, where it belongs. Uh, actually, from where it came Yes, it, where from where it came from. So, um, Steve, what are your thoughts on the on the opening uh, moments of this film? Um, it was it was fine for you know for what we're supposed what was supposed to be to open the film. Like you said, um, it's really all about the you know the journey of this uh, this lone egg. You know, and I'll tell you something that egg was pretty durable to go through all the uh, all the trials that it did before it ended up uh, landing there with the lemurs. Um, and then you get you finally kind of get some actual characters in there, like you said, uh, Pleo and Yar and um, their daughter and uh, Suri, um, the lemurs, and then obviously we meet the baby dinosaur, who's who we learn is who they will name, uh, like you said, Aladar. Um, it's basically kind of like you know uh, you know the usual trope of uh, the mismatched um, the mismatched family, like the the one member of the family is clearly the odd one out, um, yeah. and uh, you know Yur, Yar is you know kind of hesitant at first because he thinks that when uh, Aladar grow up, he'll turn on them, but as we as we'll see, that obviously does not happen. And uh, Pleo kind of playing the role of um, of um, um, oh crap, what was the uh, from uh, the role um, shoot the role of the mother in uh, Tarzan? Uh, yeah. Her name just escaped me. Uh, Kala, yeah. uh, who took mm-hmm. who took Tarzan in, so kind of the same kind of the same thing there. Um, so again, just kind of you know. A decent little thing, decent little opening. Um, obviously, again, you're getting, you're taking in the visuals of uh, of the dinosaurs, and um, it is the one thing I will say is interesting. The fact that you know the one of the big differences between this one and Land Before Time is that Land Before Time they had you know the diff, the the nicknames of each of the dinosaurs, like the long necks and the 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 three horns, that sort of thing. Whereas here, you they actually have the actual the legitimate uh, dinosaur names. Mm-hmm. So clearly, trying I think trying to also. Uh, kind of educates the audience about the uh, the different types of dinosaurs. Yeah. Interesting also that um, they made the Carnotaurus kind of the uh, the main predator in this movie because I think uh, mm. T-Rex was, was uh, I think, w- would have been too po- would have been not the best choice, I think. And also, I don't know how accurate they went with, like, dinosaurs being in the same time period because I know – you know, people do complain about like Jurassic Park or whatever. Like these dinosaurs would never have been alive at the same time. Blah 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 blah. So, um, very, yeah. I found I found the Carnotaurus kind of interesting, and, they, and I think they made him a little bit. They made it a little bit bigger than it actually was, to kind of uh, make it a little scary. But uh, Miranda, what are your thoughts on the uh, opening parts of this film? Well, I counted, and uh, after the very opening part, like the the opening beginning sequence there i guess that's what you call it there's no talking for seven minutes (laughs) i was like okay and listen listen i can i can appreciate a good silent film or silent like part but i was getting like really 
Although I do like when we finally do talk and we get the little lemur, um, you know, dad lemur is like, you know, watch, watch his head. Uh, cause he's, he's given in, you know, you already said that, you know, kind of he's, he's against his better judgment or not judgment, but a big against what he thinks is a bad idea. He's like, fine, you can raise the babe. Um, <laughs> what I think is funny is he's like, watch his head, but he can't like give up his like bad guy act. So he's like, you, you know, cause it might bite you. And then the other, the little lemur though, he goes, he's got no teeth. What's he supposed to do? Gum us to death. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can appreciate this. So it has some humor and I like what humor there is, but this is what I was talking about where it could have been more. It could have been that little lemur could have been the sloth from Ice Age. He could have been Batty in um, Fern Gully. They're, and like, the like the little animal sidekick that you get in a lot of these that are usually like the comedic relief, you know, Mushu, he, he could have been that. And I don't think they explored that very well. Yeah, definitely. We, I didn't main, mention the voice cast. Uh, so we get Aladar is voiced by DB Sweeney. We get, uh, Alfrey Woodard is Pilo, Pilo, Pilo. Uh, Ossie Davis is Yar. Max Casella. If you don't know that name, that's a uh, Doogie Hauser's best friend. And you actually do see him in, uh, I think he was on The Sopranos. He was also on Tulsa King. That's Zini. And Hayden Panettiere is Suri. And then we'll uh, we'll talk about some of the other uh, voices as we get the, the characters are introduced. So, so we move forward. And years later, a fully grown Aladar and the lemurs take part in a mating ritual where his friend Zini is unable to achieve a mate. Moments after the ritual ends, they are interrupted by a meteor shower and a gigantic meteoroid crashing into the earth. The explosive blast wave destroys the island and annihilates nearly all the lemurs. Aladar, along with Pleo, Yar, Zini, and Suri, flee and survive by leaping across the sea towards the mainland. They look back at their ruined home and mourn for the loss of their loved ones before deciding to move on. This was quite the scene. This I can understand kids crying from this because this was I, I I hadn't watched this movie in a while and I was kind of like sitting back like damn like this is like lots of death and destruction I know when it's a force of nature and something like that I think I think it doesn't it doesn't like hit as hard I guess but there was a lot going on here and 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 Steve kind of hit the hit right on the head like because I got I got definite Tarzan vibes here from the scene with mm-hmm. the lemurs and Aladar going around you know he probably becomes part of the family wishes he was more and then yeah this was a you know a beautifully beautiful scene like looking at the meteor shower but it was also quite harrowing and kind of I may have been one of the best parts of the whole movie uh, Miranda, what are your thoughts on on we see uh, Aladar for the first time growing up and him interacting with maybe the the tr- the, the pack, the tribe? I don't know what you mm-hmm. would call a group of, of lemurs, a a school. A, there's I, a I, word I don't remember. What I'm it sure is. there I, there's a word for everything. Um, what was the there's there's one word for a group that that always makes me laugh. I, I you know a con not a convoy but crows are yeah. a murder. A murder, a murder of hawks, right? Isn't that what it's called? Crows. Yeah, more murder of crows. I was close. I knew it was a bird. Um, so, yeah, on, on how, you know, you felt about this scene and, and you know, with the meteor shower and, and how it was depicted and and the death and destruction actually comes along with it. 
Uh, by the way, I googled. It's a conspiracy of lemurs. Oh, there's definitely a conspiracy going on there. There are some conspiracies going on. It's fantastic. Um, I will say visually, this movie is pretty, pretty fantastic. I won't lie about that. They did, a, they did a great job. Um, 23 years later, and I was like, still cool with the visual. Uh, I think this is a whole lot of sad. Caden actually came in the room when I was watching that part. I was also calling it the mating scene because, I mean, it's more like pairing off. But Caden was like, what the hell? <laughs> he thought that part was a little too. He's like, even though there's nothing really happening, he's like, he's talking about pickup lines. And, like, he's dropping his pickup lines. And they're talking about, like, pairing off for life. And he's like, that's supposed to be for kids? <laughs> so he has a good point. Um, it was also pretty sad though, because, you know, he doesn't get a mate, he doesn't get a match. So immediately that's already sad. And kids were, I remember kids being upset that he was alone. That was one of the things that one of the little girls that I saw the movie with was like, he's, why didn't he get someone? And I was like, that is so sad. And then you immediately go into that meteor shower. Listen, Disney, I know you've killed parents before, but what were you... Your test audience, what were they on? Hmm. How much did you pay them? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I just... <laughs> You're right, though. Even though it's terrifying, that meteor... Not a shower. It's a full-blown storm. Uh, visually, it is... It's phenomenal. But it's terrifying. All right. Steve, what are your thoughts on this uh, scene? Yeah, so now we... Like I said, we continue the, the, the whole thing. Of Aladar being accepted into the you know, family, and they, they, they've kind of you know Yars even kind of you know accepted him as part of the family, and yeah, that uh that scene where all the lemurs are pairing off, like you said, and mating, um, is is very unique, and uh, yeah, poor uh, Zini um, is the odd man out. Unfortunately, he doesn't get anything, and then yeah, like you said, to go from that. Uh, right into the meteor shower is really just kind of like, you know, one intensity after another. And, um, Brando was right. The, like, just watching like the smaller balls of fire going across the, the sky is, you know, is quite the sight. It's until you see that giant one coming down that, mm -hmm. you know, you're, that, you know, you're in trouble. And I mean, we're only two years removed at this point from Armageddon and deep impact. So, um, so meteor strikes against the earth was still kind of a hot commodity for the film, for the film industry. Um, and yeah, just the the utter destruction of the island is just so such a again it's just so insane. And to see uh, you know every I mean most of uh, you know most of the lemurs unfortunately didn't make it besides Aladar, Yar, and the fa and their family. And just seeing them kind of have to now move on from it, it is sad. And I can imagine you know a, a feeder full of kids you know crying because of everything they just witnessed and probably now being you know really traumatized and i mean we've talked about it you know disney known for the trauma so disney gave me a lot of my trauma <laughs> disney's responsible for me being all kind of messed up in the head exactly i exactly. should charge them for my therapy session there you go <laughs> Sorry. all right the cat just like that made a noise next to me. What, what's happening over here? Oh, I didn't I, hear it. I oh, yeah. I've never heard a cat snore before, but this cat snores. You, you, <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't heard George on a podcast yet, though. Toulouse, God bless his soul, um, you know, he, he would appear on podcasts sometimes. He'd come and, like, literally meow at me, like, right into the microphone. So he's like, why you got to be recording now? You're supposed to be, like, sitting here laying on the couch with me. 
No, so. he had opinions. That's what he did. He oh, opinions. I kind of had opinions. Trust me. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't agree with all of them. All right. <laughs> all right. So uh, back to the film. While crossing deserted wastelands, the group are attacked by a pack of velociraptors. Now, these damn things, right, were kind of terrifying. They they look like, you know, compies and raptors got on because they, they was tiny, but very scary. And mm-hmm. after escaping from the family encounters, a massive herd of dinosaurs led by iguanodons, Kron, voiced by Samuel E. Wright, a.k.a. Sebastian from Little Mermaid, is the leader and his lieutenant, Bruton, who is voiced by the actor Peter Siragusa. Um, where was I? Uh, the herd are on a journey to the nesting grounds, the sanctuary left untouched by the devastation of the meteor. After the herd rests for the night, Aladar and the lemurs bef- befriend Baleen, who is voiced by the legendary actress Joan Plowright. If you don't know the, the name, you know the face if you saw her. An early Brachiosaurus and and one of my favorites in the film, her friend Ema by the wonderful Della Reese. I just kept thinking of Harlem Nights whenever she talked. I'm sorry. Uh, Astyrocosaurus and Earl, her pet dog-like Ankylosaurus. The next morning, (laughs) yeah, Earl was fun. Earl, what you doing? The next morning, the herd reaches seemingly dry lake, which they have relied on in the past. Kron orders the herd to move on until Aladar and his friends discover water trapped underneath the surface, thereby saving the herd from dehydration. Kron's sister, Nira, voiced by Juliana Margulies, impressed by Aladar's compassion, begins to have a relationship with him. Meanwhile, two carnivores have been following the herd's tracks for days and begin stalking them for food. Bruton and a scout search for water in the canyon but are ambushed and attacked by the carnivores. Bruton manages to escape and, and warns Kron about the predators, panicking the entire herd. Kron picks up the pace and evacuates the herd, leaving Aladar, the lemurs, and the elderly dinosaurs behind while the carnivores are still in pursuit some distance away. So business is picking up in this film. You know, I, I kind of like that little group of like the uh, the older dinosaurs. It's like a rad tag group. Um, I, I wrote in my notes, sassy old lady dinosaurs. Love them. Um, you know, <laughs> like those the golden girls. Of- yeah, kind of. Uh, and the, um, you know, the raptors aren't giving up. And, you know, the two carnivores don't. They're, they're just they're, they're very persistent. I mean, there ain't no other food around, I guess. And, you know, literally, I wrote, Kron is kind of an asshole. So. Uh, lots, lots going on. Yeah. I, 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 I think I might dislike Kron more than most characters I've seen in an animated film. Uh, Miranda. So we talked about a lot here because, you know, this is really where the movie starts to really move, right? We got, mm-hmm. we, we have the stakes are raised. We have the, uh, the pursuit by the, the predators. We get the introduction of the herd, we get our, our new dinosaurs coming in and we find out kind of like what's the the journey going to be like here? What are we what are we doing? What are we ultimately looking for in this movie? Right. So what, what are your thoughts on and the introduction of these new characters and what's going on? Well, I, I love Earl. I love the gaggly old ones. They're fantastic. Um, they're just it's like when they're walking. And uh, I think that I forget which one is telling the the tall, the long neck. Remind me, which one was the long next name? That was... Um, That's Baleen. That's Baleen. Okay, that is Baleen. So I think it's Emma's telling Baleen, just like, just shoot him. Just, just, just like, knock him out of the way. And she's like, oh, I, I can't. Oh, my God, I can't do that. Like, 
just like the very sweet like and she's like go on go on now um I love the introduction of them I I don't like our quote-unquote villain our bad guy um which I know that Canatars are technically um the bad guys but so is Kron and Kron's your antagonist I wouldn't say he's a villain he's more of the an antagonist like somebody to go against our, our our hero yeah, but normally, and you're right, normally in a lot of these movies with your antagonist and even with your villain, you love and hate them. Like, there's things that, like, you do. Like, Scar, for example, because we've talked about Lion King and the comparisons already, um, you know, visually and different things. But, like, Scar, for example, everybody, he's a bad guy. We all know it, but we love him because we, we love him as a villain. I don't like Kron. I don't like his character. I don't like his purpose there. I like, though, however, they show clear differences between Aladar and Kron. Yeah. So I, that he's there for a purpose in the story. But honestly, eh. Yeah. All right. Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Kron is definitely... Um... He's not kind of an asshole. He is an asshole, basically. <laughs> he's like the whole... He's like basically the whole... His whole mindset is, you know... He's the alpha of the group. He's, you know, it's all about for him survival of the fittest. He's willing to let anyone get left behind if if it means the you know the whole the whole um the whole entity um can make well, it. Doesn't he even um, push the babies out of the way at one point, Steve? Do you remember? Like doesn't he like, like Yeah, after after they yeah. find the water, yeah. He's like he's he's like like I'm first. Like I'm first. Move you know, I'm the leader. No. Um, <laughs> And um and yeah he's definitely he's like you say he's the antithesis to Aladar basically um and you even see a little you know even in um Nira he's you know they're definitely you know two completely different like like you could tell Nira is clearly uncomfortable with some of the things that Kron does um mm-hmm. but because you know they're brother and sister she obviously wants to keep stay, stay supportive of him um I did enjoy um I do enjoy Ema and Baleen I think they're great um comic relief for the film um. Yeah, they came in. I think right, you know, like you said, the 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 two old ladies, um, just kind of you know chatting at chatting away definitely uh, fits for them. Um, I definitely I liked how um, you mentioned the little the little ones. How uh, when Aladar and uh, Suri try to get them to you know try to help them get water, Suri calls just calls them little little Aladars just because yes. just because they you know obviously the same. And that's the other thing you know it's like out you know. You know, Aladar has only been with the lemurs most of his life, and now he's finally seeing, you know, his own kind. So now he's now trying to get acclimated with them. And clearly he, uh, you know, we see throughout the bed that he clearly likes Nira, and we'll see that um, that relationship grow throughout the film. So just, again, kind of uh, interesting, you know, nice little scenes here to introduce some of these other characters. And, um, and, and yeah, just, again, you know, you just want to, even though he's a dinosaur, you want to just punch Kron in the face. Yeah. And, me, and meanwhile, it's almost like a ticking clock, too, because they're fighting the battle of dehydration. They're mm-hmm. fighting the battle of, you know, we, they do show, like, you see a couple of, di- a few of the dinosaurs, uh, you know, drop and can't go any further. And they become, you know, food for the scavengers, the raptors following along. And then we still got those two carnotaurs. Just they they just hanging out, uh, you know, following along like they're tracking them basically, you know, they're following the tracks and you know you get some there's some nice you know views here some 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 wide shots of them going through like the desert and the dunes and everything like that, 
again, visually stunning. Story-wise, eh, yes, lacking. Uh, lacking, very lacking. So, so then we uh, we move on to uh, during a rainstorm, the group encounter Bruton, who was left behind by Kron, and before taking shelter in a cave. Shortly after, the Carnotaurus enter the cave and attack the group. Um, sorry, was I? Was I? Yeah, that's where I was. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, but Bruton sacrifices himself by causing a cave-in, which kills one of them. The surviving Carnotaurus leaves the cave, swearing vengeance for its dead companion. I don't think it says anything, but uh, Alatar and his friends escape and venture deeper, but reach a dead end. They smash through the obstacle and arrive at the nesting grounds on the other side. While exploring, Ema finds a large wall of boulders blocking the original entrance to the valley. Realizing that the herd will never make it over, Aladar rushes off to rescue them. Although he is pursued by the Carnotaurus along the way, Aladar soon catches up with Kron, Nira, and the herd, suggesting a safer way to the valley. But Kron selfishly refuses. Kron loses his temper and fights Aladar, but Nira comes to the latter's aid, and the herd eventually turns their back against Kron and abandons him, deciding to let Aladar lead them to the nesting grounds instead. So, you know. We get, you know, Bruton for all him being kind of like the good soldier, he, you know, kind of being a, a jerk by proxy, an asshole by proxy. He gets a hero's death, which you have to kind of um, kind of give it to him. Right. Um, and then uh, Kron, he ain't, he ain't like to be challenged. And he, I don't think he's I don't think anybody's really challenged him up to this point. I don't think with everything going on, you know, we get um uh, he's probably never had that because he's been in charge. He's he's never had someone to challenge him because it's everybody has always looked at him as yeah. oh he's the leader he's in charge why would you challenge that? Yeah, I mean I don't kind of I'm trying to figure out how Bruton got away from the Carnotaurus because he was pretty badly injured. Um, you know I like how they find accidentally find the nesting grounds, mm-hmm. and we get Aladar and Nero finally hooking up by necking. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, so. God. Yeah, so um, yeah, and 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 we. I also got the music had like a Star Trek feel during the fight between Kron and Alinar. Oh, for sure. You know, it was like when they're on those planets. It's like boom, do 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 do. that's what I was feeling, right? <laughs> well, they're I on was, like the, I know which one I'm thinking of exactly, and you probably do too. They're on like this red pl- like dirt planet. Yeah, and when like, they had to fight each other for Kirk and which they talk about in, in Cable Guy. Right when they when they went to the medieval times, doo, 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 yes. doo, doo. yeah, I, I that's the, I thought the music bro like I'm like what are these people what are these animators I'm watching and shit come on they're our age and they used to watch Star Trek and they're like oh I can put it in now finally my moment has come <laughs> I've been waiting for this shit all my life <laughs> all right so so Miranda so what do you think of a uh, you know this whole bit when they get to the cave and Bruton and his, his sacrifice and then you know the the love story I guess here kind of uh entering you know we kind of knew something was going to happen yeah. here between these two and and then the uh the challenge and fight of of the thickest shit as my mother would say Kron I I actually kind of feel bad for Bruton because he was a little bit of like a butthead you know, when he was introduced, but he was like the crab and Goyle to Malfoy. Yeah. So 
like, it's not that he was really inherently bad. He was just doing what Kron told him to do. And he was one of Kron's friends. So I felt genuinely bad for him. Um, the Them getting together, we knew it was going to happen. Because there's like that, uh, when, she, when he first bumps into her. Um, and, like, his little lemur buddy realizes, like, oh, he thinks she's pretty. And then later, the whole jerkosaurus, that children is a jerkosaurus comment. Um, so you knew it was coming. Um, I, I should have mentioned earlier, Steve, when he was talking about it, was like, you know, pointed out Nira is Kron's sister. That is one of the things I like, because typically what happens is it's like Aladar stealing Nira from Kron because she realizes Kron is like a bad, like, you know, beast versus um, Gaston kind of thing. And this time it's not. That's her brother. I like that. I like that it's a brother and not like a, a, another love interest, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, we knew that the little like mating, I thought the, the making people realize that they cared for each other, especially children in a very calm way. Like, as you said, necking. <laughs> I mean, it's cute. It works. Yeah, it does. Steve, what are your thoughts on this uh, part of the film? Yeah, you you're, you guys are pretty much spot on. Like you said, Bruton's not, you know, he's just being, a, like you said, a loyal soldier. He's just following orders, but he mm-hmm. does get his uh, his little hero's moment there at the end when he uh, when he sacrifices himself to take out the one Conatoris. Con, um, I, I kid you not, when I watched the film and I saw the nesting ground for the first time, I, my first thought was, it's the Great Valley. That's a... Oh, <laughs> a, Yeah. Like it, it looked exactly the same as the as the Great Valley in Land Before Time. Like that's how parallel I find the two films together. Um, and, well, uh, it looks just, like the watering hole from Lion King. It looks like you know that scene in the beginning of Jurassic Park when you know when they see when you first you, after you see the Brachiosaurus and they kind of they pan out and you see all the creatures going to the watering hole. So I guess there's only so many watering hole ways you can depict a watering hole, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, then like you said, when uh, Alador find Aladar finds the, um, finds the, the herd and eventually, like you said, Kron, like you said, Kron has never been challenged before. So he's, you know, he's got to reassert his status and he ends up getting, uh, essentially overruled by Aladar and Nira. And then, like you said, that little moment where they're kind of, where Aladar and Nira kind of, you know, pro- basically proclaim their love for each other by, by necking. That's a good term for it. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah, again, it's like, because it gives you do kind of feel good for Aladar. Like he's been, you know, even though he's, you know, had a family of the, with the lemurs, you know, he's finally now found somebody that's, you know, like him. So you do, you do feel good for him. Yeah. Carnotaur is like, you know, like when you see like a T-Rex and it's got like the big body and the little arms, like Carnotaurs have like the smallest arms, like, you gotta be. There's gotta be a way to get away from them, right? They only got the the two good things. Why do Why do Carnotaurus even have arms, right? But they are menacing with those horns and everything, mm-hmm. and the way they come through. You know, waterfalls and dinosaur movies also. They always use it so that they kind of like peek through, like the 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 um you know the 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 um the the metasaurs, the car the carnivores, like kind of like the big menacing carnivores come breaking through. It, it always makes for, like, a really cool visual. All right. So, uh, as they prepare to leave, Aladar, Nira, and the herd find themselves cornered by the enraged surviving Carnotaurus. 
Aladar rallies Nira and the herd to stand together, and they drive back against the Predator, almost like a bunch of kids standing up to a schoolyard bully. The Carnotaurus then chases after Kron, who attempts to climb over the cliff himself. When Kron reaches a sheer drop, he realizes that Aladar was right and tries to defend himself against the Carnotaurus, but is fatally wounded. As he prepares to finish Kron off, Nira saves her brother, but is quickly overwhelmed. Aladar then fights the Carnotaurus until the cliff underneath breaks apart, sending the Predator plummeting to his death. Kron then dies from his wounds. Talk about, you know, dying because of sheer either ignorance, hubris, or stupidity. That's Kron, right? I think, um, so, I mean, I, I thought this was fine. I mean, it was kind of, you know, you get... Simba versus Scarfields. It's it's uh, that's the problem as you start, you know, more movies come out and and you see other, you know, new movies, you kind of start comparing and 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 get that thing of derivity in your head, right? There are so many movies that it ha- don't you if you don't think about that, you will probably enjoy it, but it's just the way we are. Like I just saw Blue Beetle in the theater. I'm like, okay, I liked it, but I was like, kind of like, okay, so they took Spider-Man, Iron Man, Ant-Man, put it in a blender, and this is what we got, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like the two older dinosaurs in this. They could be like our, like just another version of Timon and Pumbaa, right? So that that's kind of like where I have issues just sometimes seeing a movie. It's just, you kind of, you can't get that other thing out of your head sometimes, and it gets stuck. So I, I will get back to the Miranda's groan in a minute. <laughs> but but uh, I think I might have hit something on her comics uh, feels there. Uh, I hope I don't get a bless your heart. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, Steve, what, what are your what are you thinking here with, uh, you know, your thoughts on this uh, final, I guess, part with Kron and the uh, the surviving Carnotaurus and now the. The herd finally turns around, and and we uh, we're about to move to the uh, the conclusion of our film. Um, yeah, it was kind of a cool little moment there, seeing like like you said, like the, the all the kids standing up to the bully, um, them you know keeping the kind of kind of Taurus at bay, and while the rest of the herd um makes their way out. But like you said, Kron just so he's just so thick-headed and stubborn that he's just willing to climb up those rocks, even though, you know, they told him that if you go up the, you know, that that's going to lead to his death. And then, um, and then eventually the fight between Aladar and the, the, um, the Chronotaurus. And I will say though, I, I really will call, um, will call Disney out on, um, on one thing I really liked how that's the part where, um, where the Chronotaurus falls to his death, how it like goes in slow motion almost, I thought that was a really good um, technique they used um, to kind of finish that off. I thought that was a really cool bit of cinematography that they did. So I will um, definitely give them kudos to that. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, um, Kron does perish in the end, but kind of through his own um, through his own hubris. And unlike Bruton, who had his hero's moment, um, Kron doesn't get one, which yeah, I mean, he you know, deserve one. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess he didn't really. I mean, it would, kind of would have been could have been nice just to see that one moment where he, you know, puts his pride aside and tries to help at least, you know, help his sister at the most. Since, you know, he, about, you know, he can if he does it with Aladar, it's fine, but at least with his sister. But he we didn't even get that. So, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. Kron, Kron 
really he he kind of does his, his his kind of unearned Bump. face. You're right there. Kind of does his unearned face turn in a moment of like, oh shit, I'm dead. Like he gets that realization, like like I I'm so I'm screwed here. Uh, maybe uh I'll you know I'm and then, dying, you idiot. But then yeah, but then nothing. You know he 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 doesn't earn it, right? He doesn't earn any kind of hero's thing. He doesn't. He just he gets a death and and a a and he kind of, not that he he's a character but you know you know does that is it a deserved death you know it's not an undeserved death I could say that much but it's definitely he, he Bruton you could definitely see you know in the cave when you, you could see him like one of those like oh I'm gonna you know you, you know those things like that happens in movies where like. When when there the, are plucky little group of of outsiders, you know, gets uh, gets uh, one guy from like our, our main like you know cool kids or whatever, gets stuck and becomes acclimated to it, and he starts to become like one of them. Bruton, you can definitely see becoming one of them, mm-hmm. you know, and with the you know one of the lemurs helping him with the with the make his wound feel better and stuff like that. You can definitely see that he saw something in them, like they have value. He they're, had growth and potential. Yeah, and and you know, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see that after this. But you know, his his hero's death is earned. Kron, there was no, mm-hmm. there was nothing there. He was just, he was just, unless short of him throwing himself in front of Aladar or Nero or somebody else to sacrifice himself for the in, and take the Carnotaurus out with him. There, there's no hero's death here. Sorry, uh, Miranda. What what are your thoughts? I think the that was done on purpose, to be very very honest with you, to show that growth is possible, and that's why you have one dinosaur from that gang of mis or not misfits. The gang of misfits would be the old ones, but for the gang of like bad boys, because here's the thing: like they weren't, like you said, they weren't villain. They were just like not. If they were people, they would just be not great people. Does that make sense? Like they wouldn't. They're not, like, murderers. They're just not good people. Like, you can be... So I think that's why one got the hero's death. Because it proved that he had grown and deserved that. Um, And Kron didn't, you know, really get... Because he was kind of, in the end, it goes to show you, he's kind of insignificant. Yes, exactly. In my opinion. But yes. All right. So now... We get to the end of the film here. And now as their new leader, Aladar and Nira lead the herd to the nesting grounds. Sometime later, a new breed of dinosaurs hatch. Among them are Aladar and Nira's children. I would say not a new breed, but a new generation. Uh, the lemurs that find more of their kind in the group all begin life together in their new home. The end. Happy ending. Da, 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 da. Uh, you know, I, it's, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's a happy ending for now. Cause if you go to the show dinosaur, you know, <laughs> where they die with the Ice Age coming. I mean, you know, these dinosaurs. We all are know what's borrowed, happening. On borrowed time. I mean, did dinosaurs and, and lemurs really live at the same time? I, I'm not sure. I I'd have not. to uh, do do more research than than I do for this pod. I mean, I do see there are birds in this last scene here. I have it playing right now. Again, a very nice sprawling shot of all these. Uh, herbivores basically living together. You got the one Brachiosaurus. Uh, oh, didn't they got it wrong? Of course they got it wrong because because mammals and 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 dinosaurs did not 
live in the same time. It's like, might as well just throw some, like, you know, saber-toothed tigers and short-faced bears in there while you're at it. It says lemurs and all of the primates did not coexist with dinosaurs, but first appeared millions of years after the dinosaur era. And the directors knew this, but felt real mammals of the Cretaceous. Say it for me, guys. Cretaceous. Cretaceous, thank you. The Cretaceous period, the era in which the film takes place, were hideous. And they wanted, so they supplemented them with the cute mammals. They didn't like the they didn't like the mammals of the Cretaceous period. They thought they were like disturbing and hideous. So they gave us lemurs. Uh-huh. All right. So so what do you think of the of the end of the film? Uh predictable. Yeah. Well, of course. But it is. not in a bad way. I mean, that's what you want. Disney usually does give quote unquote ha- ha- happily ever after, right? So it's what you, especially because you're taking children to see this movie. This is a, this is a children's movie. I think it it ended fine, but like it it was like so like there was so much that happened that the ending is just kind of anticlimactic. Uh huh. Like there's so much that happened like at the very beginning, like the death and destruction, and then Kron being an asshole, and then like they're being chased this whole time and didn't realize it, and then like everything's happy, and you're like. My anxiety can't handle that. What? <laughs> like, I can't, I... I can't zigzag like that. Yeah, I don't... No, but I mean, it's it's fine and it's cute enough. And I, what I do like is when they first meet, like, the Mary and Band of Misfits old ladies, um, the Golden Girls and Dinosaurs, when they meet them, um, one of the lemurs, and I don't remember which one, says, well, are there even going to be people that, or are there even going to be anything that look like us there? I, that's not direct, it's paraphrasing, but um, one of them says, oh, yeah, I've seen, you know, creatures of all shapes and sizes. So for them to get to this area and there actually are other lemurs was pretty cute. Like they kept with the that there was that one line that maybe nobody else remembered at the very beginning, well, kind of beginning, that they actually played it out in the end when they got to that beautiful, you know, place. Mm-hmm. I liked right. that. Yeah. Steve, what did you think of the ending of the film? Yeah, it's it pretty much is what you expect. You know, everyone's now happy in the nesting grounds. Um, Aladar and Nira are together. They have their own babies now. I do like the little callback where... Uh, how back in the beginning when um, when the lemurs find uh, Aladar as a baby and Yar was like holding them up and um, Aladar relieved himself, they mm-hmm. they call they call back to that here where Yar holds up one of their babies and he does this and he does the same thing. Um, so I thought that was a I thought that was a nice little callback. But um, but yeah, other than that, it's like you said, pretty you know expected from what you from what you think of when it comes to a Disney film. They you know stay. They've survived all the trials and tribulations. They're in their new home. Everybody's a ha- big, happy family. Um, that's it, pretty much. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Um, so overall, Steve, uh, I, I remember what you rated, but overall, what's your what you what would you raise and where did it rank for you? I think the best way for me to describe it would be to to steal the the phrase from our good buddies uh, JT and Marcus over on. Uh, on on the war wrestling above replacement podcast and that is this is pretty much in my opinion a replacement level film it's like right in the middle it's not terrible it's not terrible it's not great um 
it's just fine for what it is. Um, I think visually it looks amazing. Visually, obviously, it looks amazing. Storyline, character-wise, it's it's definitely lacking some some things. Um, it was, I think, a product of the you know of the time for for Disney. They were you know we're out of the Disney Renaissance. They're kind of like starting to begin their little bit of their down their downswing. Um, we won't see it like immediately with like our next film, but we will kind of see it as we continue on. Um, but I think this is pretty much just, you know, borderline, just pretty much just right square in the middle, you know, just as, you know, as about as average as you can get, basically. All right. Miranda, what are your final thoughts and rating? On the um, I don't, I don't know, like, how many stars I'd give it, but I'd say mediocre for me, conceptually. Um, I think it had great potential um but i think there was some more character development that could be done um in a couple of different areas uh, like i said i really kind of lean heavy on those like funny side characters and we had them and they just didn't get enough time like they they should have given us more i mean in all honesty this movie is an hour and 22 minutes long so it's not a long movie on top of that um Visually, it's extremely pleasing to the eye because, like, I, I just rewatched it again right before we recorded, like, this evening, and I feel like it held up. Like you said, it's 23 years old. I feel like visually, it's fantastic, but it's just lacking and not f- totally fleshed out. Almost, in my opinion, like, maybe it was rushed, especially that whole thing that we just said a minute ago where it was like, <laughs> the directors knew that this wasn't. Right, but they went with it anyway because they just didn't like what was available to them. It, so that, to me, is part of like it not being totally fleshed out. So yeah. mediocre. It's not a documentary though. That's that's what I tell myself. It's no, like, no. I try I try to dis, to suspend my disbelief sometimes, and I'm like, it's not a documentary. But it's not. But that taking that extra time to be like, oh well, that's not accurate. What else could we do? Or you know. Okay, well, so we're gonna do this. So let's make the lemurs like the fun, super funny sidekick, and we're gonna give them this much screen time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're if you know for sure that it's not accurate, which is gonna bug some people, then be like, okay, so it's not. But let's do this to take away from that. And that that wasn't there. Wasn't there? Yes. Yeah. I. I. You know. Unfortunately for me, it, it's it ranks kind of down towards the lower quarter, lower third of, of the Disney films, just because it's it's just so forgettable, I guess. It it very much is. I you didn't know. remember. Yeah, like I knew I saw it in the theater, and I didn't remember anything about it. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'm going to talk about it in a moment. But the most memorable thing that come out of this movie is ride. Right? It's probably one of the more popular rides that we're going to have talked about based on an IP. And it's still around to this day. And um, whether or not how what the future is for that ride, we'll, we'll talk about. But um, yeah, I just I, I give them credit for the tech, like for the the CG for that stuff. But yeah, again, like we've said, the story is lacking. You know, definitely see where the the brain power and bulk of of money went to in this movie so all right so i did mention that you know basically 
uh, you know, we talk about where you can find the uh, characters or whatever from the movie in the parks. And there is a whole land uh, about uh, Dino Land, you basically Dino Land USA in Animal Kingdom in Florida at the um, the Walt Disney World Resort. And it is a pretty popular ride. I have been on this ride a few times. I like it. Again, I don't love it because to me, I think it's a little jarring at times. It's very similar from what I'm told. And I've never been on this ride to the Indiana Jones ride out in California at Disneyland. Similar ride vehicle, you know, obviously a different IP, but um, it's called, um, you know, so it is called Dinosaur. It is a dark ride EMV attraction. The ride features a turbulent journey through the late Cretaceous period featuring prehistoric scenes populated with dinosaur audio animatronics. Originally, it was named Countdown to Extinction. So when the park opened on April 22nd, 1998, the ride's name was changed to Dinosaur. Uh, so wait, no. So it was originally called Countdown to Extinction when the park opened. But then it was changed to Dinosaur in 2000 to promote the Disney animated feature film of the same name. So I'm thinking that Dinosaur, the movie was in the works like probably for a bit and they're like well let's and this was still during michael eisner's reign and he was big on the synergy so he's like well let's put the character creatures that we're going to have in this movie let's put them in the ride so that when the movie comes out it'll fit so cool right so the two dinosaurs most prominently featured in the ride have always been an iguanodon and carnotaurus which were both prominently featured in film Scenes from the movie also appear in the pre-show help the guests to identify the Iguanodon as the film's protagonist, Aladar. So it's got a pretty cool cue to it. Uh, the, I do really enjoy the pre-show. So have, have, I, have either of you been on this ride, by the way? I have not, actually. No? I have Steve? not either. All right. It's fun. It's, it's, again, it's still there. So the pre-show is, is guests enter a small stand-up theater and a short movie comes on. The first part of the movie is a small presentation by the fictional director of the Dino Institute, Dr. Helen Marsh, played by Felicia Rashad. She claims that the bare-bones approach of displaying research and prehistory is about to become extinct. She says the Dino Institute has created a time rover that has the ability to take guests to the age of dinosaurs. She says now that the rover is intended to take guests to a breathtaking world that you will witness the most fantastic creatures ever to walk the Earth. The doctor then transfers to a live feed of the control room, for a comprehensive safety briefing, basically the same thing you get on all the rides. The ride is agreed by in the second section of the movie by controller Dr. Grant Seeker, played by actor Wallace Langham. Seeker then decides to skip most of the safety notes and get to talking about what his intentions are. He intends to use a time rover, and the guests were supposed to take a tour to go on a mission to save an iguanodon from extinction and bring it back to the Dino Institute. He says that he tagged him with a locator during a previous unauthorized field trip. He then goes on to say the Iguanodon is at the very end of the Crustaceous period. However, Dr. Marsh comes into the control center to correct a little misstatement. She said that the tours are intended for the early Cretaceous and that the rovers are locked on those coordinates. Dr. Seeker then continues his safety briefing about talking about flash photos and seatbelts. Dr. Marsh leaves the room. During that small section video, Seeker unlocks the time coordinates behind her back. And you go on the ride. As the guests exit, the voice Seeker is heard reminding guests that they are the the only ones who receive this mission, not to tell anyone else. So basically you go through, it's very dark, you know, and there's, you go through a time tunnel, there's flashing lights and it's supposed to temporarily blind you. And then there's forest trees that come across a lot of the creatures from the, uh, the, uh, the film. There is a, a Styrosaurus and Ali, Ali Aramis eating a Brachiochampsa, a 
Parasophilus, a Velociraptor. Uh, then we uh, we get the 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 dinosaur is a we 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 think that we find a guanodon, but it turns out to be a Carnotaurus, and we take off, and we get basically basically get chased by the Carnotaurus throughout the ride, and then you end up, you know, going on evasive removers, you almost get by a tree, then you uh you know you you get to the uh you know tra- you get transports back to the institute, da da da. So it's 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 a fun ride. Uh, whether the ride has much of a future is there's talk of retheming Dinoland USA, which they have, you know, closed a couple of the other attractions there to a uh, Zootopia theme. So I don't I think Dinosaur will be safe because I think it's still popular enough and the cost at redoing the ride. Um, I mean, believe me, I would love to go on some kind of Zootopia ride through ride, which oh, they probably absolutely. still could do. But. You know, I think I think dinosaur will will still be around for a while. So, so okay. So uh, any any anything else that we may not have talked about here, guys? Mm, no, mm. I, I think it's all fairly covered. Yeah. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. All right, very cool. All right, so uh, let's kind of talk about other shows that you got involved, you got going on, and any social medias. Miranda, we'll start you. What you got? Um, well, all my other shows are here on PlayStation Pop. Um, I have a couple of them. You can find me unless you don't want to hear me anymore. And that's cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> you can find me on socials as far as um, Instagram and TikTok. That's where I'm comfortable with the masses following me. And you can find me on both at Moms and Nerd. All right. Steve, what do you got? Um, so I usually have um, a couple of other shows here on the on the pop feed besides this one. I have uh, Making Mount Rushmore and uh, the Video Jukebox Song of the Day, which I'm sure uh, Andy, you obviously will talk about that as well. Um, also over on the wrestling feed, uh, I have Extreme Resurrection. Me and James Grunberg are going through uh, WWE's ECW from 06 to 2010. We are currently in the um, summer of 2007. Um, coming out of One Night Stand and going into Vengeance. So some interesting uh, stuff coming up with that. Uh, I've also been appearing occasionally over on the North-South Connection um, feed, both on their podcast and on their YouTube channel. Uh, very recently, myself and Ryan Gray uh, previewed the Becky lynch Tristratus cage match for Payback coming up, so be sure to check that out. Um, and also be sure to check out everything else they've got going on over there. Be sure to um, subscribe to them as well. That's a great stuff there. Um, those guys do a tremendous job. Um, and you can also find me over on the PTB Facebook group. Lots of uh, good stuff going on there, including in our current uh, tournaments where we are determining the greatest song of the 2000s. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of good matchups, a lot of interesting choices being made by some of our uh, fellow nation members, a lot of interesting decisions that have come out of it. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out in the end and see which song does get picked by the nation as the greatest song of the 2000s. So um, if you're not a member of the group, let us know. We'll send you an invite. You can get in there and vote. Yeah. I have no clue what's happening in this tournament. I I it's cannot crazy. make I cannot make heads or tails. It's really you. you I would never put money on this one, basically. No, you just don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I said to I had said to um to Chad when we were when he was on for Mount Rushmore, we were talking about it. I said uh, if this was like an NCAA uh, March Madness bracket, a lot of people probably would have already busted out by now oh. with some of the decisions. <laughs> My bracket would have been busted a long time ago. And I think what's fascinating, though, is 
a lot of the songs that I'm picking, they were really popular in like my area of the U.S. during the time it came out and like with my friends. And I'm seeing like we have people from like other countries in our group as well. And it's very interesting watching like the different ages because it's like no shock. We talk about that even when we podcast here, like our age gaps, um, not just here on the pod, but like in the group, there's there's all different ages in there and there's people from different countries and it's interesting to see how different countries vote versus like where you grew up in the u.s if you are an american and then ages it's i I, this one is this one is confusing baffling it's more baffling than the breakfast one and that (laughs) one was pretty shooey so i said bless your heart a bunch of times during that breakfast one well we all knew bacon was probably was was the uh choice i mean it's bacon come on who doesn't love big? For, yeah, I'd probably do about as well as I do in the NCAA brackets as I do here, which is not very good. Because I, again, I'm a little older and, you know, my life was, you know, I, not that I wasn't listening to music. I had just pretty much stopped DJing. I was winding down my DJ career, you know, in the early 2000s. And I, you know, then I had my kids and all that stuff. So I wasn't really, you know, up on, on all the new stuff for the most part. So for me, it's just kind of like, yeah, I like that one better. <laughs> you know, it's however, like what I vote. I know however, that one. I was going to say, however, you are the person that I will message at like 3 a.m. my time. I'm like six hours ahead of Andy. I'll message Andy at like 3 a.m. my time. And I'll be like, what was that song that like, if I hum it to you, sounds like I'm doing the death march from Star Wars. But it's not, and it's like slow, and the guy seems like he's a woman, but he's not. And then you were like, maybe this one? And I was like, no, no, like they just used the beat and turned it into like a disco song. And Andy goes, oh, and like vomits the song out like nobody's business. When that is his descriptor. So there, there's that. Yes, I am a song vomiter. Uh, if I... <laughs> you helped me because I was like, what is that song? I used to love that song. I know, I know. I, 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 I kind of speak Miranda, so I think uh, I've, I've learned you over do. the years. <laughs> I've learned over the years. Um, for, for me, like Steve mentioned, the video Tupac song of the day drops every weekday on the Pop Experience. This is very feed that you're listening to right now. Um, also, uh, you know, obviously, you know, as if you've been listening along or paying attention, Stream Lounge, which was a a platform that I used a lot. Basically, every Wednesday, I would do a live watch on there, and then I would, you know, basically repurpose the audio for a live watch pod, and it's fine. It's, same, it's doing the same thing. It's just, you know, two two birds, one stone. Unfortunately, you know, it, it is no longer, and and my, uh, you know, time for, for doing pods has uh, slowed down, so I uh, will um, I will look to uh, get that back up. But there's definitely a, going to be a new episode of Traders of the Lost Arks coming soon, and there will be... Um, new episodes of uh, laughing theater and the Miranda and I will get together and get the, the Muppet pod uh, mm-hmm. back up and running. And yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, still, still here, still doing stuff. It's just, you know, maybe a little more, uh, you know, time between them, but uh, you know, definitely we'll, we'll keep up. Also, I have my one wrestling show that is pretty much monthly over on the wrestling network. That is who's next. And that, that breaks down the current NXT product. And like said, like Steve said, though, don't forget to check out um, the No So Connection, whether it's in podcast or on YouTube form. All right, so Miranda, 
Mm-hmm. You're sitting in the driver's seat next next show. Uh, I'm so what, excited. And and, and uh, you know I have not watched this front to back fully. I've seen parts. Mm-hmm. It's again this is a, this is I think I started getting into a blind spot here because there's you I, have made me gasp three I know. times in this pod. I know. <laughs> I know. Jesus. Um. All right. So let me. Uh, what are we doing? Either I, I don't know the line, so I mean I'll have she it. She says known, but... she says the she says the follow up. That's the thing. That's supposed to be your line. Oh, I, I don't know. Oh, no, Miranda's line. I should say. So I I'm gonna work on my uh, my Patrick Warburton before the episode. Okay. I love Patrick Warburton. I asked my husband if I could marry Patrick Warburton. Here's the problem: I have a husband that I had to ask permission to marry Patrick Warburton. And Patrick Warburton has a wife, so that's not happening. I like to call Smokey. We will be covering the cult classic. It does have a cult following, Emperor's New Groove, also released in 2000. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get that out to you within the next, uh, you know, month or so. It will happen. It will happen. Mark my words. Yes, I have heard such good things about that about that film. It's it, again. It, I don't know why it has always escaped me, and I probably I could have watched it up till now. But I think I want to watch it for the first time right before we record, so it's like so fresh in I'm my head. I'm kind of sad that Stream Lounge is not there anymore because I would love to watch this one with you. Ah, it's well, fantastic. You know, nothing says we can't you can't do a live watch pod of anything. You know. I know the guy that runs the place. I think that can happen. <laughs> I know I've the person heard... that's in second charge, too. Yes. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard really good things about Isma as the uh, as a villain. Oh, Isma's fantastic. Yes, the You're great. Gonna uh, You're going to love it. Like, great Eartha Kit. Perfect. All right. So, with enough of us jibber jabbering on, we got to get out of here. So, for Steve Riddle, for Miranda Berthold, I'm Andy Atherton. Thank you for joining us on Pop Goes the Classics. We'll see you next month in Peru, I believe. Talk to you later.